you until 11 o'clock this morning. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk is the show. Plenty of things to talk about today. Illinois basketball on the road for another Big Ten game. The final Big Ten regular season game this afternoon, 3 o'clock at uh, Columbus, Ohio against the Ohio State Buckeyes. We're going to talk a lot about that over the next couple of hours with a couple of guests. We're going to talk some Illinois football, Mr. Tate. First of all, how are you this morning? I'm doing good. Good. And Illinois football coach Brett Bielma is with us to kick us off this morning. Coach, good morning. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. How's everything going for you? Good. We wanted to kind of touch base with you. It's been a couple of months now. You've been on the job, and I know it's been kind of a whirlwind for you, but uh, how are things going? What uh, Any surprises out there so far? You know what? It was actually an awesome day. We started off the day already here at uh, the entire roster in, and we uh, competed for the first time head-to-head, uh, drew the team up into about 50 individual um, head-to-head matchups. They went through six stations, uh, competed at the end with uh, – uh, a scoring system that'll give a winner and a loser in each one of those battles. We'll announce those in a team meeting here in about an hour. There were some rewards for the winners and, and some punishment for the losers, so they got to learn to compete. <laughs> so is this uh, is this part of spring practice or is this pre-spring practice? This is pre-spring practice. So we got in, we're in week six. We just finished week six. Uh, by NCAA rules, we can have 10 hours with them uh, during the week, so uh, Tank and his crew have seven and a half hours a week, and then as coaches, we get an hour and a half with them in the meeting room and and kind of some walkthroughs. So um, they're actually got an hour break now to recover, get in the cool tubs, get their legs back under them. Uh, we're gonna feed them and fuel them uh, here till about uh, 9:30, and then we have meetings from 9:30 to 10:30 today. So uh, Saturdays are always a good day, but they're done by 10:30, and they're off until Monday morning 6 a.m. So they got a, a good little window here to get recovered and get back on track for next week. Well, Coach, I, this is Lauren. I'm, I'm really interested in these uh, 20 seniors or however many seniors you have returning. Is, it, is the number correct? Is it 20? You know what, uh, Lauren, I usually learn information from you guys. I don't <laughs> um, well, it doesn't matter. That, that's unimportant. But the thing I want to know is, can you tell, I mean, are these seniors, are, are they acting like freshmen with a new coaching staff and all? I mean, how's it working out with these veterans? You know, uh, it's been awesome. Um, obviously, uh, had limited window of experience with them before they left uh, on, on uh, winter break there. Um, communicated with them, a lot of them, uh, during that time, you know, about their plans, their decisions. Really, some of the first couple guys to say they were coming back were Vidarian Lowe and Kramer and Paucho and uh, some guys, BP and, and uh, a couple other guys on defense, uh, you know, that, that jumped in, in the, into the wood, uh, into the mix as well. And then, Really, uh, since they've been on campus, we've had six weeks to kind of get with them and had a lot of individual meetings as well as our coaches getting familiar with them. And um, I think that group of super seniors have really uh, taken a chance here to take a step forward. It was interesting today. We uh, It was the first time the whole squad had been together, actually. Uh, we've always competed when it was offense in early or the defense in was after them or vice versa or broke it up into four different lifting groups. And during the week, we do that. But Today was the first time, so uh, Tank does this little thing where he brings the whole team up in front, and uh, one of those fifth-year fifth super seniors, Vidarian Lowe, jumped out in front of the whole group and was swagging back and forth and just got the whole whole juices flowing, and I was sitting right next to Corey Patterson, who said, Coach, that's unbelievable. He said, Vidarian's never you know, gone to the forefront like that. He kind of had always been a lay-back-in-the-weeds type guy. So you see guys making strides, Owen Carney, uh, um, you know, Tony Adams. Uh, today the head-to-head competition was between – Tony Adams and Isaiah, and, and it was just fun to watch those two compete. DJ Berkey, DJ Barker versus uh, Isaiah Gay. So 
a lot of really good individual matchups were fun to watch. Well, I, I just uh, I would like to know a little more about Hanson and and his return. Looked like he was gone for a while. Of course, it looked like Carney was gone for a while. But um, what did it take to get those guys back? You know, uh, Lauren, to be quite honest, just just conversations, right? So one of the things I, I always stress to our guys in the building here, all right, if, if you can communicate well and be consistent, those two things, those two C's, uh, we got a chance to have a lot of success. So I just really try to open up dialogue. Every one of those conversations were between us. You know, Jake, obviously, um, he and I had some conversations early on. He made the decision uh, to jump into the into the NFL draft, which I, I totally understood. I just fed him a little bit of information um, uh, and – we began a dialogue and have some conversations. We put him in touch with compliance here and let him uh, start the steps to file that waiver that was allowing him to come back into it. So really excited about Jake as well as all these super seniors, but really just the whole squad. Um, you see certain guys uh, make certain strides. We meet every Thursday academically with the, with the academic staff, and, and you hear uh, the academic people talk about the growth that some of these guys have done or doing things a little bit better than they've ever done. And that's when I begin to tell that you've, you've started to change, right? Is if you got guys that are taking pride in the academic world and, and, and the effect that has them in the big picture, suddenly you have a guy that maybe traditionally has been an underachiever academically and all of a sudden he has a little bit of success and he walks with his chest out, walks a little prouder and and, and then good things begin to happen in a way they've never happened. So we're we're gonna take it day by day. We just keep stacking days and, and, and I'm very, very excited. We got two more weeks of spring uh, of basically this winter workout agenda this is week seven coming up week eight after that and then we'll transition into five weeks of of spring football and see where we are speaking of just the linemen can you tell how they stack up uh, uh, you know with the opposition with the iowas and the wisconsin's and the northwesterns can you tell this early i I appreciate the question lauren but probably not you know until we put until we put pads on and get that little brown ball out there you you know it's just it's just movement it's just guys competing but I would tell you this: they they uh, they you know reacted very favorably with Coach Miller, uh, with Bart, and 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 you can see the the engagement that they have. Um, you know, there's there's obviously different ways to do things, but one of the things that we've always prided ourselves on um, in the programs I've been involved with is, is how we play up front. Like we we're the foundation. O linemen and D linemen are the foundation of of this program. Like when big people listen, or when big people talk, usually people listen. So if we can get that group, you know, to kind of stand in front of the room and and show you what you're supposed to do and and how you're supposed to do it. And now we got a chance. So the foundation's getting laid. We just got to continue to keep putting on brick at a time. There's a lesson for you, Lauren. When big people talk, <laughs> it's, it's wise to listen. We're talking football with uh, Brett Bielma for a few more minutes. Uh, recruiting now, Brett, has got several different layers to it. Maybe it always has, but it seems like more so now. We talked about the super seniors. You you talked to, to those guys about coming back. You obviously are reaching out to high school coaches, and I want to know how that's going as well. But you got the transfer portal. There's at least three layers right there that uh, you've got to be up to date on. Yeah, Steve, great great point. Uh, the world of college recruiting has really evolved, especially in the last five years. Um, began to get into the grad transfer world, obviously, uh, you know, my last year or one of my last couple of years at, at Wisconsin, at, at my first grad transfer was Russell Wilson. Um, and it really opened my eyes into, into the players that were out there. And when you're dealing with grad transfers, it's a little bit different because now you're not dealing with a, a 17, 16, 17, 18-year-old young man who maybe can get affected by some things that really aren't important. You know, maybe he likes his Twitter account and the number of follows or, you know, how pretty something is or, or how long someone's won 
um, for the last 30 years instead of the last current year, you know, and um, you can recruit a different type of player. That's why I've set up our, our recruiting department is, is set up differently now. Like um, Pat Embleton is obviously overseeing everything in personnel and recruiting, but I've hired Jay Kaiser, who's had a lot of NFL experience here the last decade, uh, both with Tampa Bay and the, and the Dolphins with three different NFL head coaches that he will run our college personnel department. So we'll track not only the players that are in the portal, but also players like every one of these Illinois players that signed with a different school before I got here. We've already started the tracking with them. So that, you know, eventually if there's a time down the road, they're not happy where they are. If they want to come home, we'll, of course, welcome them back if they can help us win a championship. Um, those grad transfers also come back sometimes with multiple years of eligibility remaining. There's one-year grad transfers, but we prefer to try to focus on the two- and three-year grad transfers. Guys that know the importance of getting an education, they're usually a little bit more mature, a little bit more uh, demeanor to what we want, you know. So that layer, and then obviously the high school traditional layer, which – there's a lot of great players here in the state of Illinois. We've offered over, uh, I believe now we're over 14 or 15 players in the state. Unfortunately, a couple have told us no, uh, you know, which I understand. They, we just came to the party a little too late. They were, you know, down this process a lot before I was even named. So, you know, when a player from the state here tells us no, uh, he's not interested, then I reach out to the high school coach, make sure they understand what we've been told. I'll honor that um, and, and respect that. But also keep in mind sometimes things change, you know, um, Orange and blue start doing some good things, and, and they start feeling that a line I love. Maybe they'll come back eventually, but a lot of different things going through it. Um, and then, you know, the social media world, the name, image, and likeness, uh, you know, anything we can do to promote uh, the Block Eye brand, you know, here here is what we're going to do. Are you a fan of the ease at which players can transfer these days? The transfer portal is really getting, getting big in numbers. It is. Uh, you know, it's concerning. I think. More than ever, I think you as a head coach, you got to show your team that how much they mean to you, and you know, continually reinforce to them, you know, that you're in this to make them better. I think as 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 young men in today's world, they have so many different things coming at them. Social media, you know, the way they've been raised, the world they live in now, and sometimes to to battle through a tough moment, um, which can bring you out the backside really, really in a good position, or just tap out, you know, does concern me. It's an issue that's definitely in our game now. I think the interconference transfers really you know, bring a new awareness of, you know, information that certain players may bring or provide to a new new uh, new program. So there's some concerning factors there that I think see, we really got to be aware of and, and hopefully the, the people in charge can really identify with that. Um, and, and basically got to recruit the right type of player, right? The one that wants to, you know, hey, I'm trying to be their coach. I'm not trying to be their dad, their uncle, their brother, their cousin, their friend. I'm trying to be their head coach. I want to get them in a direction and put them in a place they've never been without them knowing it, right? Get them to do something they've never thought possible until they actually walk the walk. Uh, but along that way, I'm going to say some things, and we're going to have conversations that aren't easy, right? They're going to, you know, the easy way is to turn away and ignore it, but the best way is to accept it in advance. And as a head coach, I've had to do those same things as well. So it's a really unique time in college football, I will tell you that. Coach, uh, what's your philosophy on – scrimmage, contact in practice, uh, the number of times in a week that you would do that, if at all. And, you know, I, I think we learned uh, from from Lovey that, uh, you know, he, he believed in less scrimmage and, and we see other schools maybe having more scrimmage. And what do you, what's your philosophy? You know, there's a, obviously a lot of different philosophies and a lot of different um, programs. But, um, you know, for me, all I worry about is what I know and, and – to me, uh, you, you will definitely have, you know, scrimmages, whether, you know, during that five-week window, if it's going to be five, four, or three, 
a lot of it will be dependent on our health. And then, Lauren, to be quite honest, this whole COVID thing, you know, plays a factor in it as well. Um, we still, every week since we've started, we haven't had a lot of it, but there's been times where we might be down, you know, a couple players through COVID and then COVID tracing. So you might be leaning at a certain position. So this spring, even though it's a, a different time and, and things are advancing in the right direction, hopefully we're still affected by uh, the parameters of that, you know, so we got to be cautious and kind there. Um, and then I really just, I want to see our guys compete. You don't necessarily have to scrimmage to compete, um, but on certain days we'll definitely play, you know, good old American tackle football. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see how that is depending on, on where we are health wise. Well, I was, I was wondering you, this year you, in order to learn more, you almost have to, don't you? I mean, you need to learn about these players, about these linebackers, about these defensive backs and whether they can come up and make a tackle. I mean, uh, is would this be a year where you might do more than than after you get settled in? Um, you know, again, it's going to be a wait and see. We have we have 15 practices laid out. I have a, a certain number of days allotted to a scrimmage. Uh, by NTAA rules, you're actually only allowed to do a certain number of days that can be counted as full day scrimmages. So uh, the first two days are in helmets only. Can't do much about that. Uh, and then really with the 13 remaining practices, we have to get one more day in helmets. Um, and then what we can do is kind of, you know, get into it, ease into it. We practice every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. So the schedule is set up on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to learn, train, recover from the day before. And then Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, they have as an intense practice as we can have. If it's a day of no hel- of, of helmets only, it needs to be a great day of helmets only. If it's a day of half-pack by NCAA rules where we're, you know, basically just in shells, shoulder pads and helmets and, and thigh boards, that's what we got to be in, all right? If it's a full padded day, the opportunity to scrimmage will be there. We may go 20 plays. We may go 50 plays. We may go 150 plays. Um, a lot of it will depend on what we see, what we feel, and what they're prepared to do. What you don't want to do is put a player or a person in a position that they're not ready for yet. All right, we're going to play a level of physicality in this program that they got to be prepared for. If we put one person in who's ready and someone's not, it can usually be a bad result. So we got to make sure that everybody's at a level where they can compete at a high level. Uh, for us to be productive on a scrimmage. At the end of the uh, 15 days of practice in spring ball, do you plan a spring game? We do have a spring game on the docket. Um, I don't think it's been officially announced, but I've been kind of working with Big Ten and ESPN, whoever wanted to uh, give us an opportunity. I'm always open to thinking outside the box. So one of the venues that we're talking about will be a very unique time slot and a very unique time of the week that will allow us to, um, you know, showcase the block eye and, make make our, our program you know, be in a, a a showcase moment, all right? So, like, I know we're just beginning to get into this thing, but I think the more we can get that out there to, to recruits and recruits families that we want exposure, we want to be able to do things, um, we will do that. So when the powers that be get a chance to announce that, we'll do that. But, yeah, it's definitely something we'll, we'll, we'll have a chance. Now, it might be not right at the traditional end. It might be uh, a little bit before the end, and we'll get a couple practices on the back end. I also – one of our main goals this, this spring is to introduce our guys how we will have a, a, a game week preparation, right? I really don't worry about what's been behind me. I worry about what's in front of us. And I don't want the first game week to be next year when we're getting ready to play Nebraska at, at the end of August, right? We want it to be rehearsed several times before that. So we'll introduce and game plan a, an opponent on our schedule so that we get used to that as coaches working together, but also how we speak it and communicate it to our players and then we'll go out and practice like a Tuesday practice of one of our opponents in the fall that will give our guys an understanding of the expectation level to prepare to play. Well, with the details of a spring game being worked out still, I'm guessing that the answer of uh, whether or not fans will be there has not been 
determined yet either. Is that correct? Well, I, I think it's a work in progress. Yeah, that's yeah. what my pay grade. They're not talking <laughs> to me, you, Lauren, or state, right? I mean, yeah. they're talking, uh, uh, you know, people that need to make those decisions. I do think, you know, it's been announced that several schools around us um, are opening up spring practices. Right now, by NCAA rules, we can't have prospects to campus. Um, but they can come on their own and walk around and see the campus as we know it. So if you open up, you know, a spring practice to the, to the, to the public, you know, and, and the parameters that that allows, it allows some prospects to come to their campus. So that's a way, you know, that, that, that you can kind of go around a certain NCA guidelines. So I don't know how long that window is going to stay open and if they'll allow it to happen, but we got to stay competitive with the Joneses as much as we can. Is your family here uh, yet with you, Brett? Uh, no, they were here just a couple of weeks ago. Um, but uh, it is getting closer and closer. Today is the 6th, so uh, we'll move into our uh, – uh, we're going to rent a home for about a, month, uh, a year here in uh, Champaign. Hopefully we're going to dig our hole here in the next two weeks. We're building a house uh, in Champaign that will hopefully get put together pretty quick uh, with my wife and I and my two girls and, and uh, get them here permanently at the end of the month, which I can't wait for. So uh, I'm kind of uh, excited to get through each day, but especially the end of the month with my babies. Well, Brett, thank you very much for coming on with us. We're looking forward and hope we get to see a little bit of uh, of the uh, action this spring just to get an idea of what's going on. I know that's, a, that's, a, that's always a tough question for coaches. You'd rather not have us, the media around, but we want to be there if we can. Well, I think you'll be there. Uh, we'll for sure open up uh, as much as we can, you know, whether it be the first 15 minutes or, or whatever. But I definitely want to let people on the outside world uh, see what we're building, what we're doing. Um, you know, the one advantage we have, Lauren, and I'm sure you guys understand is Right now, we're an unknown to not only you, but all of yep. our competitors, right? So yep. we open up uh, next fall against Nebraska. Um, you know, the last five years in the Big Ten West, the, the Big Ten West has, won, has been won by either Wisconsin or Northwestern. Um, uh, Wisconsin three times, Northwestern twice. Their home game schedule, all right, in those five years of those two teams is 20-2. and two. Their home Big Ten schedule over the last five years, the Big Ten West champion is 20-2, and two, only two losses over a five-year window. So to win this division, you have to win the games at home in the league. And we open up with interleague play against Nebraska. So for us to get to where you want to be at the end of the year, you have to understand it starts up front. So there's going to be a huge amount of emphasis for us to make that opening game a reality of what we expect in this division. So uh, there's a lot of other things than just what's in front of you that as a head coach, I always got to be aware of. And that's the fun part about this job. Um, I know where we're at and where we need to be, but uh, we got a lot of work to get done before that. And there's no question about that game being played early on week zero, uh, since it can't be played in Dublin. Uh, that's, I, th- I see that as a as a break for you and a break for Illinois to be the the spotlight team in in that week of college football. You know what, Lauren? It's, it's exactly you got to take it as it comes, right? And of course, our guys would have loved to travel and be a part of something like that. I know Josh and his crew put a lot into that that that, that opportunity, but. The powers that be made the decision we couldn't do it. So the best thing for me is I get to open up my uh, career here at the University of Illinois at home, Memorial Stadium, in front of a great crowd, and hopefully in front of a great crowd against a great opponent. Scott Frost has uh, been uh, – he and I have known each other for a long time. Uh, uh, so an opportunity to open up against Nebraska is, is truly an op- awesome, awesome opportunity. Hey, Brent, we appreciate your time. Uh, that's only six months away, that first game. So it's time to start getting excited. But thanks for taking time with us. We'll do it again soon. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Lauren. Appreciate it. I-L-L. Thank you. Thank you very much. Brett Bielma with us here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We're off and running. Phone lines will be open now, 356-9397.
is the number. Other guests uh, scheduled for the show today, Sean Harrington, former Illini sharpshooter, will join us in about 10 minutes to talk some Illinois basketball. Also, Jess Settles leading off the second hour of the show from a Big Ten Network, more basketball conversation, and Illini golf coach Mike Small will be with us. His team is up to number four in the coaches' top 25 this week. All that and more we'll hear from Brad Underwood and Georgie Bashanasvili as well. On Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, we'll take a break and be back with more after this. Welcome back to the show, 923 Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We're hanging around till 11. All kinds of sports activity on the air today. We've got Illinois baseball playing as we speak. They lost Tough uh, opener yesterday, Lauren, in extra innings, 13 innings, 6-3 to to Ohio State. Oh, a terrible loss because in the 12th inning, they got a runner on third and nobody out in the last half of the 12th. And they got Comia up, the best hitter on the team, with nobody out, and they don't get him in. They don't get him in, and then they lost it the next inning. So baseball lost that one by a score of 6-3, 6-13-0 for Ohio State, 3-9-3 for the Illini. They're playing twice today against the Buckeyes. These are conference games, an all-conference schedule this year for Big Ten baseball. Uh, first game, which will be a seven-inning game, was scheduled to start at 9 o'clock this morning. The second game, a nine-inning game at noon. Some other uh, sports activity, volleyball, taking on number four in Nebraska last night. The Cornhuskers win 3 to nothing. Illinois volleyball now 2-7 and seven on the season. Those scores were 25-23, 25-15, 25-22, in favor of Nebraska, those two teams play again at 6 o'clock at Huff. We mentioned baseball. Illinois women's basketball closed out the regular season with a win uh, at home against um, Minnesota. 72-64 was the final there. They'll play in the Big Ten tournament after finishing 2-16 and in Big Ten play. They'll be in the 12-13 game over at the Bankers Life Fieldhouse in Indianapolis coming up uh, next week. Yeah, I'm not sure who they play in that yet, but uh, there's only f- 13 teams, not 14, in the Big Ten Women's Tournament. Ohio State is not playing in it. Yep, they're ineligible. Wrestling is at the Big Ten Championships at Penn State today and tomorrow. Men's tennis beat Iowa 7 nothing for the 23rd straight time that they've beaten the Hawkeyes in tennis. They take on Nebraska on Sunday. Brad Dancer's team is 7-2. and two. And four and one in Big Ten play. Women's tennis is at Michigan and Michigan State this weekend. Soccer plays tonight at Minnesota. Janet Rayfield's team is off to a two and two start. Those are some of the headlines. Today's basketball schedule, of course, highlighted in our minds by the Ohio State Illinois game, number four against number seven at three o'clock this afternoon. The Buckeyes have been uh, tabbed about a two point favorite in that ball game. I'm guessing that Vegas is thinking about whether or not Iowa's going to play in that or not. Well, Ohio State uh, creates some very special problems for Illinois in terms of defense and how you, how you guard E.J. Liddell with a, when he's going to spend a lot of time moving around and, and maybe on the perimeter. You remember he hit those three-point shots against Illinois when they were here, and that, that's going to create some problems for, for Kofi, who is a really good defender, but and it's, you know, not so good on the perimeter. Yeah, E.J. Liddell had 26 points in that game here and hit four three-pointers. I believe he was four for six from three-point range. And, you know, 
if you start putting together, and they'll do this next week, uh, the all Big Ten first, second, third teams and all that. The, 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 you going to have Liddell on there? I think I am. But the decision for guys like him and Kofi and Hutchinson or Dickerson. Dickerson, yeah. And Trace Davis mm-hmm. and Tevion Williams. I mean, the, so the, all those guys aren't going to make uh, first team Big Ten. And I, no, no, there's not. I, I, I don't. Uh, Jackson Davis has been a little bit uh, leveled off a little bit toward the end here. And, and Dickinson has played really well in every game except the Illinois game. Right. When Kofi kind of knew But Kofi's stats are still better than his. I'm sorry? Kofi's stats oh, are yeah, still better than. Of course than they are, yeah. Season one. More way. points, more rebounds, yeah. Collegehoops.com is the first that I've seen coming out with player of the year, coach of the year, first team, second team, third team. Player of the year, Luca Garza. Mm-hmm. First team All American, Io, mm-hmm. Garza, Cade Cunningham, Jared Butler, and Corey Kispert from Gonzaga. That's probably going to be pretty close to the All America team by AP, I would imagine. Coach of the year, they picked Mark Few. Well, okay. It's hard, it's hard to argue okay. with that. but I mean, Juwan Howard would be a good one, too. And of course, I think Underwood has done a terrific job, but he's not in the 10 coaches that are listed in the, in the final group that will be decided. Uh, He's uh, not, and I think that's uh, that's wrong. I also think Matt Painter ought to be considered for that bet. too. He's having He's a heck a of a good job considering, haven't he? In that uh, All-American team, we mentioned Kofi on first team. This is from College Hoops today, and uh, Io on the first team, Kofi on the third team. Mm-hmm. In that, that's probably and Dickinson a- was on the second. Mm-hmm. In that well, big, big man slot, they've got to pick out somebody from Michigan. See, that's that's the that's the thinking. And it's not good thinking because you could have two, maybe the two best players could be on the same team, but most voters won't vote that way. Right. They, you know, they just feel like you've got to distribute it around, I guess. But here's my question for you about this basketball. If North Carolina beats Duke today, is Duke out? If Michigan beats Michigan State tomorrow, is Michigan State out of the tournament, of the NCAA tournament? I think Duke – might be closer to being out than Michigan State, but yeah. I don't. I don't know. I, yeah, I think they'll find a way to get those kind of teams in if they can, uh, regardless of their their record, just on tradition. But uh, good questions, no doubt. Big Ten basketball today and tomorrow, final weekend of the regular season. The tournament starts next week at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indy. Today it's Rutgers at Minnesota at eleven. Indiana at Purdue at one. Illinois at Ohio State at three. Then tomorrow, Wisconsin is at Iowa at 11.30, Nebraska at Northwestern at 12.30, Michigan at Michigan State again for a second time in three or four days at 3.30. And depending on how the bracket breaks out, the way it looks right now, those two teams could play again if Michigan State wins its first round game in the Big Ten tournament. So they could play three times in a matter of a week or so. (laughs) And Penn State plays at Maryland tomorrow at 6. That's the uh, Big Ten lineup. Some... Other news, uh, back to football for a moment. Uh, we heard about this earlier in the week that uh, Jack Trudeau is not in very good health and yeah. had suffered a major stroke and several strokes following that. And, and, and preceding it. Right. Yeah. They, they were, didn't know what was the matter with Jack, a former Illini quarterback uh, living in Indianapolis, and they, he did have a major stroke. They do have... Um, Tim Simpson, whose birthday, by the way, was yesterday. Happy birthday to Tim. But he, he was involved in, former Illini player, involved in getting a GoFundMe page for uh, 
Jack Trudeau, and they've raised over sixty thousand mm-hmm. dollars already. And I they guess had, they had one fifty thousand dollar gift. Well, they had a fifty thousand dollar anonymous gift to the GoFundMe for Jack Trudeau. But if you want to check that out or contribute, it's very easy to do. Go to GoFundMe.com and slash Jack Trudeau. You'll find it if you Google that. But uh, our thoughts and uh, prayers certainly go out to Jack Trudeau and his family. 931 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. We'll take a break and be back with more Alani Fella Saturday Sports Talk right here on DWS. Stay with us. Moving up on 935, Alani Fella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly here on DWS. Phone line is open, 217-356-9397. If you want to jump in and talk about anything at all, we'd love to hear from you. And we're here until 11 o'clock. Going to talk some... Illinois basketball now. The sounds you hear in the background is a young soccer game going on somewhere. And uh, that somewhere is where we find Sean Harrington, former Illini sharpshooter. Good morning, Sean. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Out watching one of your uh, children play soccer, huh? Absolutely. Yeah, my daughter uh, Charlotte's playing some soccer today. So we're out enjoying some of that and getting ready for a good day of hoops after that. Yep, uh, Illinois at Ohio State. Uh, before we talk about that, I want to go back to uh, Tuesday night and that uh, Illini performance up in uh, Ann Arbor against the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, domination from the start. I, I, I think a lot of people uh, now are predicting or saying they predicted that uh, that kind of victory, but <laughs> I don't think there's many people that predicted that kind of victory. But your thoughts on the way that they handled uh, the Wolverines that night? Yeah, exactly the way that you expected it to play out, right? So, yeah. Uh, no, they, they, I mean, obviously they set the tone early on with their defense. I, I was just so impressed with, uh, you know, you're never going to pitch a shutout, but what you want to do is make a team uncomfortable. You want to make a team score the ways that they don't want to score. And that was very clear from the beginning. Uh, they did a really good job of keeping the ball on one side. There were a lot of contested jumpers, whether it was three-pointers, whether it was uh, in the lane. Uh, I was just Every time it seemed that Michigan had a shot, it was a contested shot and a shot that they did not want to take. And and you could see the frustration kind of on their face. It looked like they were forcing shots. So uh, Illinois' defense came to play. That set the tone for them. And uh, really at about the 10-minute mark of that first half, you could tell that Michigan had almost you know kind of checked out and knew that they were in for a struggle that game. Did you see anything different in the defense? Of course, Io didn't play in the game, but did you see anything else different or just was the intensity turned up a notch? Yeah, I really just thought it was kind of intensity. I, I, and like I mentioned briefly, you, Michigan, you want to keep them kind of on a side. You don't want them moving that ball side to side. They're dangerous when the ball gets into the middle of the floor and they have options. Then uh, they can throw down uh, to Dickinson and they can hit shooters in the corners. And uh, they love to run some ball, ball screen situations that get guys going to the middle of the floor. And uh, you know, Illinois just did a great job of taking that away. And it was just keeping them on one side of the floor so you didn't have those reversals. And then just no openings. And so everything was contested. Uh, like I said, you could see that Michigan was frustrated that any time they got into the lane, they were almost forcing shots into the lane. And then when that happens, when you get an open look, you don't have the confidence to knock it down, uh, even when you do get a little bit of breathing room. And, uh, you know, that, that happens early in a game. So many times we break down the end of games. I really thought this game was won in the first 10 minutes of the game, and, and that set the tone for Illinois, and, uh, and, and really they're moving forward for the rest of the game. It just, it just kept going. Well, Sean, let's uh, switch to today's game and, and discuss um, 
how Io works his way back in. I, I, this is an assumption that he will play. There, there's been no formal announcement, but I'm sure he's going to play. And of course, he may be limited in terms of uh, minutes, and he may be uh, limited in terms of uh, covering on his face. So, how do you how do you see him working back in today? Yeah, I, I think he obviously just got to take it and see how he's comfortable, and, and that's the situation. Uh, however, he is. You want to make sure, first and foremost, that he's able to play and able to play safely. And you know, this is—I know we all, uh, you know, live day to day and, and season to season with as fans. But he's got a huge career in front of him. So obviously, the first thing is to make sure that he's able to play uh, healthy and health-wise. Um, but you'll probably have to bring him along here slowly and kind of see how does he respond to a little bit of action and and see how he gets his legs back underneath him and. Uh, you know, I don't know how much he was able to do here for these last uh, week and a half, two weeks here. Uh, so just get him back comfortable. And obviously the, uh, you know, the, the big game is the NCA to make sure he's kind of back into a rhythm by then. But most important is to make sure that he's okay moving forward for his career. And, you know, we don't have the details on it, but you start talking about concussions or head injuries, uh, you know, that can be life lasting. So, uh, make sure that he's he's safe and healthy and able to be out there is uh, probably the most important thing. Uh, speaking defensively, this is a different uh, assignment than you had against Michigan. They against Michigan, Dickinson was going to be down low and Kofi was going to be down low with him. Now you got a situation where they have Liddell jumping center, which probably throws uh, Kofi opposite him, and he plays entirely different. How how do you? Uh, it didn't work the first time. Uh, how do you do it? How do you go about it the second time? Yeah, I would really consider matching up with Grandison or Williams on Liddell. And, right. and I would play Kofi off of Liddell and uh, just see if you can maybe mix up some of those matches. And obviously now you've got a little bit of a mismatch if that would mean Kofi would probably be, um, uh, you know, moving over to whoever the other four would be in that situation, they, they'll have a couple different guys in there. It could be Towns. Um, could be Young. And, and then be Young to start the game. So mm-hmm. that, that was, that's kind of how you have to see uh, how it would be. But that's what I would do. I, I would switch it up. Uh, I would front Liddell with those guards, just get physical with them, uh, try to front it, make it as hard as possible when Liddell's hosting. But now you have one of those guys that can guard him out on the perimeter that feels more comfortable in those situations, that can get in some ball screens, maybe hedge and get back out in the perimeter, or now you can switch. If you got guard on guard or guard on four man, you can switch those ball screens. Uh, we we said it all the time, it's not the mismatch that beats you, it's the open man that beats you. So if Kofi's getting lost on some ball screens or getting back out to Liddell is shooting, we'd rather it be a mismatch where at least the guy is there to defend as opposed to an opening because Kofi's just not comfortable guarding out on the perimeter. Talking basketball with Sean Harrington, you see some games from – other conferences maybe more than than we do, but uh, as far as the Big Ten goes and how it ranks up against other conferences, I think the uh, the records and the projected seeds kind of speak for themselves as the uh, Big Ten being top to bottom the best conference in the country. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I mean, you're, you're talking top heavy. You've got legit three teams that could win the national championship, and, and um you know, so when you start talking that, and I, you know, maybe even four. I mean, I, you got to start throwing Iowa in the mix too, right? They're playing a lot better uh, with Frederick back in the lineup. So, I mean, you, you potentially have four teams that could be contenders for a national championship, 
And then the bottom of the league's really strong, too. So, obviously, Nebraska really struggled this year. Uh, Northwestern had that, that really tough stretch uh, outside of the first week and the last week of the season. Uh, they really struggled in the middle stretch. But, uh, you know, the bottom of the league was tough, too. And uh, you've, you've got some middle-of-the-pack teams. You start talking Wisconsin. You start talking Purdue. Uh, you know, those are teams that could make a Sweet 16 run and, and potentially an Elite Eight if they get the right matchup. So uh, you've got a handful of teams that can make a real deep run, and, and I don't think a lot of conferences could probably say that. Who's your Big Ten Player of the Year? Yeah, you know, obviously I'm a little biased, but uh, <laughs> I go with I, I go with Io, and I mean it's it, it, it's got a great case whether it's Garza or whether it's Io. It's you know you're you're splitting hairs. Uh, my only thing that put Io on top would be uh, you know I, I, it's a team sport. The team's going to have a better record at the end of the day, and I believe that Io just made more plays at the end of games. Uh, to help his team win, and the ball is always in his hands late in ball games, and and I love that for a player of the year. Sean, have you in analyzing this from your perspective there? What what is it about this season that has caused Kentucky and Duke and and the, the so-called blue bloods and more than more than just those two to have rough years? And and we see situations like Wichita State, which fired Greg Marshall, and then they come on and play great and. And, uh, you know, it just seems like it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of inconsistency to the season. How, how, how do you explain that? Well, it's, I think it's the situation that they're playing under. And I can't imagine playing games in front of no crowd. I, I just I, I can't, you know, fathom that. It's just uh, the energy is not in the building. Um, you know, it's just it's a different atmosphere. When you start talking about Duke, you start talking about Kentucky, if you want to look at, like, them specifically – they still have a lot of young players, and that is hard to win year in and year out. You're going to catch it sometimes some years when you're playing with that many young guys. Uh, but I do believe just playing in front of no crowds, you know, those, those are incredible home court advantages that those teams uh, maybe aren't getting this year. Uh, and even going on the road, those teams get crazy atmospheres because everybody wants to beat them, and those crowds aren't there. And so that energy is not in the building, and you just don't have the consistency. You just don't have, uh, you know, sometimes – the game gets out of hand, uh, there's a momentum switch because of a crowd, or even on the road, there's just a different buzz in the arena. So uh, you're seeing some strange outcomes because of that. But everyone's playing under the same rules, so it's, it's not that anybody else is getting an advantage. But I think that could be the case with some of those teams who are not used to playing in front of those crowds sometimes. And beyond that, you know, they've gone six months or sometimes seven months and have not even seen their own families in this the way the situation is now, and that's got to make it tough too. They're they're just seeing Absolutely. the same guys every day. Yeah, yeah, no, it's you know, and again, everyone's playing under the same rules, but everybody responds differently with some of those situations. You don't know what it is behind the scenes, and you know that's that's where I'm a big believer. You got to give these players a lot of grace. I think we see them on on TV all the time, and we we assume they're just old, right? You, because they're on TV, you think how old they are, and. Uh, they're kind of superstars in our eyes, but these are these are 18, 19, 20-year-old kids that are on their own for the first time. That's hard any time, let alone during a pandemic when they don't get to see their families, right? And uh, so I think we got to give these players a lot of a lot of grace and a lot of um, you know just support. And I think that's all the time, especially now. Sean's what uh, what's keeping you busy these days? Uh, just uh, working. 
and then hang, hanging out with the kids here on the weekends and then just watching some hoops. So <laughs> can't complain. Can't complain. Life is good. I appreciate your time. We'll let you get back to your yeah. uh, daughter's soccer game, but thanks for uh, spending some time with us. Sounds good. Appreciate it, guys. You bet. Sean Harrington with us here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. He does some work for ESPN, some TV work, and uh, does some camps and things like that as well. Sean Harrington. It is 9.46. The phone line is open up until 10 o'clock and throughout, really, as well. Even when we have guests, you can, uh, if you have a question for a guest, feel free to call in, 217-356-9397. We'll take a time out and be back with more with an open line until 10, right here on DWS. Stay with us. Nine forty-eight here on the show with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Glad you're with us on a lot of on Saturday sports talk. Phone line is open two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. Let's go to the phones and say hello to Steve in Princeton. Good morning, Steve. What's up? Good morning. Hey, beautiful day for baseball. But uh, I just had a question. You were talking about Illinois baseball when you opened the show and stuff. Whatever happened to Garrett Acton? Did he just move on with his life into the business world, or is he playing baseball somewhere in the minor leagues? Do you know? I don't know offhand. Last I knew, he was still playing, but we'll we'll look into that. Maybe uh, we can find out the answer. But I don't know off the top of my head. Hard to keep track of those guys sometimes, and especially with minor leagues not playing right now. Yeah, the minors are. It's really been a problem for guys on in that next level because they just aren't getting the games in. It's hard to it's hard to climb when you're not playing. But I thought Garrett was going to come back last spring for his senior year, and maybe he changed his mind, but I thought he was coming back last year, and then COVID hit, so I didn't know what that did to his schedule. Yeah, I don't know either. I'm sorry. Hey, Steve, we appreciate the call. Okay, thank you. You bet. 217-356-9397 is the number. If you want to jump in here and join us. Speaking of Illinois baseball, they're playing as we speak down in South Carolina. They lost to Ohio State yesterday 6-3. to in 13 innings, and they gave up three runs in the first against the Buckeyes again today. So they're behind 3 nothing as we speak. They're playing a seven-inning game followed by a nine-inning game against Ohio State. These are all-conference games and a Big Ten-only schedule for Illinois baseball down in South Carolina to get it going. Heck, you could be playing baseball here the way it is right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. <laughs> could have played yesterday. Yeah. It only got, to, you know, didn't get to 50 yesterday, but uh, the sun was out and uh, there was no wind and yep. not a bad time to, to be outside. And the beginning of next week looks good as well with temperatures in the 60s. Illinois and Ohio State this afternoon, 3 o'clock is the uh, start time of that ball game. We don't know officially what uh, the status of Iowa DeSumo is. Brad Underwood said yesterday it's day-to-day. He did say that uh, Io has been practicing, so that would uh, lead you to believe that uh, he might see some minutes today. Here's uh, Coach Underwood talking about how the other guys have stepped up with the uh, star player out. It takes a certain personality player to be able to step into an alpha role or roles and different roles. Not everybody can be Batman, and um, that's really hard to do. We've had guys who've done that. And, uh, and been able to, to, to make that step and, and not, not fear the moment, not fear the shot, not fear the free throws, uh, not fear the step-back jumper, DeMonte Williams, not fear going to the free throw line at the end of a game and, and Andre Corbello, you know, not fear all the ball screen stuff that we, we ran against Michigan, Trent Frazier. I, you know, you got to have a personality that allows you to do that, not just the ability, 
And, and that's what I enjoyed seeing. Good players make themselves better. Great players make their teammates better. And, and, and in whatever form that comes. And, um, you know, his presence uh, wasn't on the court, but his presence was felt in the locker room at, at, at practice, uh, on the bench, his, his knowledge. Uh, that's what great players do. Brad Underwood yesterday in the, his pre-game uh, press conference with uh, the media. Let's go to the phones again. Bill is with us in Ogden. Hey, Bill, what's going on? I was just uh, walking the dog, and I caught the tail end of uh, the football coach. And I kind of want to, uh, it's an open-ended question, give me the uh, quarterback, tailback, you know, the big position on both sides of the ball. Kind of IQ me on that. Well, Peters will be the quarterback, and uh, Chase Brown will have a, a – they're going to have – you got a new a new running back in. I mean, it's going to be competition at that position. Uh, you got Reggie Love Epstein, still back. And... Ep, yeah, I assume that Epstein's going to be back. Yeah. had not been much talk about him, but – I think he's going to be back, and and uh, so it, th- that will be a competitive situation. Whereas the quarterback will be Peterson number one, Williams number two, as far as I know. How about like the line blocking? Will it be set up different in, in the the way they approach it? You know. Well, I don't like know that. that. I I think we got pretty much the same player. With Green is gone, the best lineman at guard is gone. But the rest of them, Kramer's back. Polshevsky will be back in the fall. I mean, he's not back now because he's recovering from surgery. And, of course, uh, they, they've, uh, they, they've got practically the same line. And, and they, uh, I think that uh, the offense has, has got – I mean, at least they're very experienced. Let's put it that way. Yeah, they way. might have the most experienced offensive line in the Big Ten. They might have a, the most experienced about, overall team in the Big Ten. Right. You know, I mean, it, it, How about the secondary now? How about the secondary, you know, the one that gave up all these big plays last year? I mean, well, we're not going to play zone. Are we playing man? Well, we don't oh, know. No, we don't know about what they're going to play. We, we have not seen the team, and you got a new coach with let, a whole new system. Let me say something right now. Illinois has got an opening game with Nebraska. Nebraska knows mm-hmm. nothing about what Illinois is going to do, and Illinois ain't going to tell them. <laughs> You know, they're not going to tell Lauren Tate, well, we're going to do this on defense or we're going to do this on – they're going to keep everything as secret as possible because they can go into that game as an unknown, and that, and that's what they should do. Now, we'll try to find out All what right. they're doing, but I'm telling you, he's going to keep it pretty uh, – under, under the table, undercover. I think Io is an All-American, and he is the, uh, you know, Big Ten – well, I don't think I don't think I was going to get the the uh, vote because I think that this, I think it was a toss up going into the final two weeks of the season and he didn't play, and I think that's why that I think that's why I think it will probably go to Garza. I mean, I, that's just yeah. that's just an opinion. I think that that Io had played so well that he had reached a point to where they, I don't you think, Steve? That they I do. were just like dead even going into the last two, three weeks of the season, and then all of a sudden he's not there. I think that's right. But also, Garza didn't do anything to no. to diminish his chances. He was the preseason player of the year, and he's lived up to all those expectations. Yeah, and, but he hasn't done anything to enhance his, his rating in the last – but he hadn't hurt himself either. Right. And Iowa is playing better. And I will tell you right now, I think Iowa is a threat. Man, if that Bohannon starts making threes, he's unconscious. I mean, that was sensational yeah. the other day. Anything else, Bill? Well, guys, thank you much. No, it was great, so I appreciate it. Yep. Okay, appreciate the call. If you'd like to jump in, 217-356-9397.
Here's Georgie Bashanisvili about uh, Io being out. We all know Io is uh, one of the best players in the whole college basketball, and when a player like that goes down, everybody has to step up. Every everybody, and I feel like everybody has. Everybody stepped up, and um, you know he uh, texted us that message. You know, I need you guys to step up for me, and I think everybody did. Not just the younger guys, but I feel like everybody did, and um, I'm really, really proud of proud of everybody for that. Georgie mentioned that Io texted the team a couple of times, once when he first got hurt and found out that he would be out for a while, and then once again thanking them for stepping up the way they have. They've gone 3-0 and in games that he's out. And will he be back today? That's the $10,000, I don't know if it's a million-dollar question, but it's a $10,000 question perhaps of whether he'll play today. We kind of think he will, Lauren, don't you? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that uh, he wanted to play uh, the last game, and, the medical report just wouldn't allow it because of the protocol on the concussion. And I think, yeah, I definitely think he'll play today. Should be a fun game to watch. And uh, both these teams firmly in the NCAA tournament, obviously, Illinois and Ohio State. Uh, well, by the way, Steve, I think, and here's an opinion for you, I think this is a battle for the first seed to be a number one seed in the NCAA. And because the reason I believe that is that Illinois is right now the fourth number one seed and Ohio State's real close behind them. If Ohio State wins this game today, I think they'll sneak ahead of Illinois in, in the seeding. They might. They might. Cause I don't know how you could not do it. They would have beaten Illinois twice. And they both would have seven losses then mm-hmm. if that happens. Yeah. It could be. But Illinois is on that number one seed line right now. That's right. And if Illinois wins, I think they stay there regardless of what happens in, in the Big Ten I, tournament. I'm I saying. do too. If they win this game, I think they're the number one. I think that you got to remember the other thing is that this committee is meeting, and they don't like these last-minute changes that the Big Ten uh, throws on them every year with that game on Sunday and everything. They're they're going to have everything all lined up after this weekend. Right. And you probably heard a day or two ago that the Big Ten did say they will be fans of the Big Ten Tournament. 8,000 is the number. You can get tickets. Uh, I don't know if you have to be rich and famous, but it wouldn't hurt. <laughs> I get tried. T- I'm rich and famous, and it didn't work. Well, I, I looked at, uh, <laughs> I went to lucasoil.com uh, last night, tickets, Big Ten Tournament. The nosebleed seats that I was looking at, not because I wanted to go sit in the nosebleed seats, but those were the lowest price seats. Those were $80, which is, that's fine. But <laughs> as you come down closer to the, the floor, you're going to be spending a few hundred dollars to get into the Big Ten tournament, but there were tickets on sale. Here, here's what's going to happen. It always happens every year. Six teams will be eliminated before they get to the quarterfinals. Right. That means there's six fandoms that aren't interested in the games that have tickets. Third-party ticket uh, agents will be involved, no doubt. Moving up... Yeah, the, the, there's no ticket. You won't get a ticket in your hand. It'll be <clears throat> on your telephone or your your PC or whatever. But the, well, you can, you can, how do you transfer? You, you scan it. Okay. I mean, transfer to another person. You can do that, huh? I don't know how that's done. but uh, There's a way to do it. The, <laughs> I'm sure they figured that out, but uh, there's a way to, to get a hold of those tickets. So if you're, if you're uh, looking to get a ticket to the Big Ten, it is possible. And uh, same with the NCAA. It might be a little... Harder in the NCAA. So you've got 14 teams, first of all, right? Yep. They're getting tickets. Yep. So that's Jason Hegemeyer here. Mm-hmm. He's selling tickets to donors and, and some for students. Well, we're just getting one fourteenth. Right. And then the the red whatever else is available after that number, 
I think they give 500 to each each school, something like that. Then those go on sale, and then that's how you might have a chance well, to do it. I might mention that Hegemeyer is going to be on with uh, Brian and I on uh, Monday morning. and Try to explain all this for us. Okay. It is 10 o'clock, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Hour number one in the books of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Hour number two coming up. We'll talk more Big Ten basketball with Jess Settles from BTN. After this, stay with us here on DWS. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're headed towards the 11 o'clock here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, hour number two. Thanks to our guests in the first hour, Illini football coach Brett Bielma was with us for about 20 minutes off the top. We also talked some basketball with former Illini shooting guard Sean Harrington, who is now working uh, for ESPN, among other things. And so we talked football and basketball in that first hour. We're going to talk some more basketball now. Big Ten basketball, Jess Settles, joins us from BTN. Good morning, Jess. How are you? Hey, good morning, guys. I'm I'm not sure your listeners are going to want a Hawkeye on after following those two great guys. So I'll, <laughs> I'll do my best. How's everybody doing? How are you doing, Steve and Lauren? We're doing well. You're one of our favorite Hawkeyes. We don't have a lot of favorite Hawkeyes. You might be the only one. <laughs> <laughs> and isn't that how it's supposed to be? I mean, come on. That's we're not supposed to like each other. Let's just keep it like that. That's right. Let's <laughs> let's do that, and let's start with that in mind. Let's start with who is Jess Settles' Big Ten Player of the Year? Are you, that, that's the first question. Yes, you're going to set me up on the tee like that. Yep. Look, I think the last time we talked, um, if I'm, I'm just trying to think back to three or four weeks ago, I thought Luca Garza pretty much had it wrapped up at that time. And then I think, Lauren, we said that, you know, but if Illinois could just make this big run and possibly win the conference or, or be right there competing for the title and Io starts going nuts, that uh, he could close the gap. I think that definitely happened. And uh, I think the entire nation took notice of what a special player and person that Io was. My perspective on it from talking to media members and coaches is that I think the coaches – um, we'll go with Luca Garza uh, because of the year he's had, because of the numbers and, and all the things that everybody talks about. And I think the media vote could be different um, because it's just two different perspectives. Um, so it'll be it'll be very interesting. I'm I'm obviously, you know, as a former Hawkeye, I, whatever I say, it's going to be considered biased. But I think Luca Garza will win the coaches one. I think the media one is possibly up in the air. And then I think Luca Garza is the favorite for the Wooden Award which is, you know, the Heisman Trophy, basically, of college basketball. But there are about, what, eight to ten National Player of the Year awards that I think each one of them will get some of those as well. So that's basically what I'm hearing. What are you guys hearing? What do you guys think? Well, I'm already on record today as saying that I think it was that I had drawn up alongside and created a situation where I think the last several weeks of the season would decide it. And his injury just to kind of eliminate him from that uh, possibility because he didn't have a chance to play. And I didn't think Garza played 
any better than he normally played, but I thought he played well enough. And I think the way I was coming on, I think Garza will get it. That's what I think that the other voters will, will vote for um, for Garza. That's my that's yeah, my, Lauren. I think that's that's basically what I'm hearing as well. And and doggone it, you know the injury. As someone who's been through injuries, it uh, that just that really hurt Io. Obviously, I guess um, it's 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 up for grabs. I mean, two things can be true at the same time. Luca Garza, the best inside player in the country. Uh, Io, the best perimeter player in the country, and uh, it's just too bad that he got injured there at the end. And obviously, I'm pretty shocked at how they've played since he's been out. So that's a whole different story. But yeah, I, I love Io, and one of the blessings of the, you know, the silver linings of of these COVID situations are the fact that all all those guys had to come back to school, and uh, none of them were ready to get probably guaranteed contracts and get off to a good start in the league. So. You know, look at Io and Luca come back, and it's the best thing that happened to their careers, and and obviously to our teams. Maybe a more difficult question, Jess, is who do you put on the Big Ten first team with Garza and Io? Yeah, that's uh, that's an impossible question to answer. I mean, there are what there there are at least seven guys who absolutely deserve it. There are ten that you could make a strong case. I saw a list the other day you know, 10 through 15, I thought, man, that's got some incredible players on it. I have not sat down and penciled that out. I guess the the tough thing for me is how do you leave, you know, some Michigan guys off of it? I mean, Hunter Dickinson could make a case. Right. Uh, Livers has been sensational. Franz Wagner is probably, what, the most draftable player and has had just a a phenomenal year. I I don't know what to do with those guys. Uh, Travion Williams is going to be right there. I don't know. I don't know. Have you guys penciled that out or even talked about that? Yeah, we've talked about it a lot. You've got uh, well, EJ Liddell what, is a guy that needs to be considered on there. Marcus Carr, who had, you know, he started out uh, stronger than he's played lately, but uh, there's a lot of guys you can uh, consider. Well, how do you compare? Well, you and and you, 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 right. play, you played the post, Jess. How do you compare uh, Dickinson and Kofi? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, come on, Lauren. You've been covering the league a lot longer than I have. You should, you should know. Hey, I, I can't keep Kofi off. I mean, that's just an automatic lock to me. I can't keep Garza off. I can't keep Io off. So then, okay, Hunter Dickinson, man, I, I don't know where he's going to be. Big Ten Freshman of the Year. Yeah. Uh, how do you keep Travion Williams off of it? Um, I don't think you do. I think Williams got to be on it. I think so too. And then Carr obviously is just an elite talent and. Their, their whole team's falling apart. And so, you know, you put him with any other team or maybe you, you put Carr in a lot of their conferences in the country to be player of the year. And I know we're uh, – uh, you got Trace Jackson Davis, who's had a phenomenal year. Um, just a lot of great players. It's going to be really tough. I do remember um, what it was 19 – I think it was 1989 when the Flying Illini were just dominating and – and then I think you had Jay Edwards and company in Indiana and Minnesota had their great team. And you guys remember Roy Marble, who Luca Garza just passed on the all-time leading score list. It's my understanding that Luca that uh, Roy Marble never made a first-team All-Conference in his career. Wow. <laughs> Is that right? So, yeah. So get your mind around that. So it's just one of those years that some elite players who deserve it are just not going to be on the first team. And and uh, there's no other. There are only enough spots for a certain amount of guys. Talking Big Ten basketball with Jess Settles from BTN. 
the Big Ten uh, with a pretty good chance of maybe having half of the top four seed or top eight seeds having four top eight seeds in the NCAA tournament. What a great year it has been for Big Ten basketball. Yeah, it's been an incredible year uh, from start to finish. So many veteran teams, so many good non-conference wins, and then obviously every single week in the Big Ten, you you can't predict what's going to happen. You have just not only good coaches and players, but just the depth on these teams that just even the guys, even these teams can overcome injuries and things like that. But I will say that Illinois has somewhat shocked the country over the last couple games. What they did to Michigan has really, it hasn't just been the talk of the Big Ten, but it's been coast to coast um, to not have Io to, to see Curbelo just step up and cut down on the turnovers and just, just become that elite playmaker on the biggest stage and the way Williams has stepped up. Uh, the, the, the discipline Kofi plays with. That win at Michigan, I don't know about you guys, but it surprised me. I didn't think there was any way they'd go in there and win, let alone be up 40 at halftime is what it seemed like. <laughs> I think everybody was shocked by that. I, I, I just had no idea that Illinois was going to play that well, and the defense just simply suffocated uh, the Michigan offense. And then there was – a and, and – Sean Harrington brought that up about how good the defense played early and they set the tone for the game. But the other thing that set the tone for the game is Curbelo came off the bench and I think out of the first and next 12 points or so, he was responsible for about nine or ten of them, either scoring or passing. And he just opened – he was the only guy on the court who could do anything offensively at that point. And then the second half, uh, Fraser took over. Mm -hmm. But in that that period, uh, in that first part of that game – it was all Curbelo, and everybody else was nullified. Yeah, absolutely, Lauren. There's, just, there's a lot to unwind there. That's well said. I mean, he, it was like video game Curbelo there for a minute. <laughs> he, he had the ball on a, on a string. I like and that. And these are elite defenders for Michigan. This is, these, aren't, this is, these aren't weak defenders. And he just would stand them up. He'd freeze them. He'd cut through them. He'd spin around them. Uh, it, it, was, it was something special to watch. Now, as every talented freshman, just like Frazier when he was younger, you know, they, they turn the ball over a lot. They're a little too reckless. And in this league, you just can't get away with it, especially this year. You, you cannot turn the ball over. And he didn't do that. He was just under control. He still played with that flavor and that swagger that he's so good at. And yet, maybe most importantly of what you said, the suffocating defense. And when you break down that video, it looked to me like Brad Underwood was – dropping his big men, Georgie and Kofi, on those ball screens. He wasn't hedging them so that they could be split, and he wasn't even going flat with the ball screen so they could be attacked off the bounce. He was dropping them hard, and the Michigan guards just kept turning turning that corner, and then they would meet that size deeper in the paint, which paid off, and then they couldn't hit those mid-range jumpers. So it was those were great game plans by the Illinois staff and the adjustments they made with those bigs to keep them out of foul trouble, to keep those guys from driving a lane. No one this year has been able to slow down that Michigan offense, and it was uh, suffocating is the right word. It was fantastic to watch. We've got Jess Settles with us for a couple more minutes. We've got the phone lines open, and we have a call for Jess. Go ahead, Chuck. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Hey, good morning, guys. i got a question for Lauren and Jess. First one for Jess. Jess, do you have any eligibility left? <laughs> it seemed like you were a Hawkeye for 10 to 15 years. Hey, Chuck, I, I, I came in there 
uh, the same freshman class as with uh, Keon Kawani Garris, and uh, and then Deion Thomas was a senior. And then I tell you what, I I, I think I was, I think those guys. I almost played against some of their own kids. It seemed like I was there for so long. Wow. But I'll tell you well, what, Chuck. You, it was uh, I was there. I was there a little too long. I was there six years, so I, I appreciate it. Wow. Who, if you didn't go to Iowa, what was your second school that you probably would have went to? I visited Michigan during the Fab Five era, and I, I visited Notre Dame uh, during the John McLeod era. Uh, Fran McCaffrey was an assistant. And then the Johnny Orr era at Iowa State. So I visited those places. But I grew up 40 minutes. I'm a farm kid from southern Iowa. Grew up 40 minutes from Iowa City, and that's where my heart always was. And I, I couldn't leave that place. Okay, real quick, uh, Lauren. I heard Tim Coleman on the game show yesterday reference Kofi Cockburn as his last name, but we call him Coburn. Which is it? Coburn. Okay, why was Chin saying the other way? You have to talk to Chin. <laughs> I don't know. And it wasn't like, because he said it like four or five different times. Well, I mean, that's why maybe maybe he's right and, we're all, and the rest of the world is wrong. I don't know. Hey, Chuck, appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Just uh, for a guy that was around Iowa all that uh, time, how does it? How does an Iowa fan look at how long Trent Frazier's been around Illinois? He, he could, uh, if he comes back <laughs> next year, it'd be... <laughs> Six years for him. Oh yeah, it's just isn't that amazing? Uh, it, th- there will be, I think, several guys come back because, as you know, the real world is a lot tougher than college. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the you know high level professional opportunities, then that it's probably wise to come back and get a master's degree or maybe start a PhD, have a chance to play college basketball because it gets pretty lonely, especially in the basketball world out there. Uh, if you're not playing a, at a high level professionally. But I think the amazing thing about Frazier, I, I, I believe I talked to him last year before a game, and uh, maybe you told me this too, Lauren, that he, he said he was always very disappointed and down on himself when he didn't have a good scoring game and that he's matured to realize that, hey, it's all about winning, and now he can feel good after a game if he defends well and doesn't have the scoring output. So that's just the maturity that you get in college and I'm so happy for him. I mean, he's just he's done so many wonderful things this year. I love to watch him play. But never forget, if you if you rest on Trent, he'll light you up. He's had a lot of big shots in that game at Michigan in the second half. I mean, that's a feather in his cap. I mean, how do you – yeah, Iowa fans don't want to see him around much longer. He's just too darn good. Actually, if he does come back, it'd be his fifth year because he played, yeah. played right away. Played yeah, he just, played right away as a freshman. But I think he's made it fairly clear to me without me talking to him directly – uh, that he's not coming back. And I, I think, you know, the, the problem with, I mean, is that, you know, it'd be great if you didn't have to attend all those classes. <laughs> I, think I think it's the classroom stuff that I think he wants to get away from. And I think he wants to make some money playing basketball. And I think he can. I don't. Here's the thing, though. When you, when you have a Kofi Coburn and an Io and a Luca Garza at Joe Wies camp, you know, it's kind of this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for both teams. It, right. it really is. You it just, really is. You, you, this is it. This is it. I mean, you're not going to be the same team next year, and you're going to be good, and you're going to have good recruits, but who? you rarely have this kind of force and power and talent and quickness. And so, I don't know. Illinois just – they've sent some messages over the last couple of weeks. I'll tell you, whatever wasn't working, they got it figured out. And we don't know for a fact if Io plays today. We kind of think he will. He is back at practice 
So we'll see how that plays out. But uh, as you mentioned, and what we all saw, what um, Brad Underwood's team did at Michigan without Iowa, I'm still scratching my head on that one. That was just such a dominating uh, ball game start to finish. Yeah, I, I always say that guys are on scholarship for a reason. <laughs> and there's no doubt that uh, when guys are called upon, they either are afraid of the situation or they rise up. And the Illinois kids definitely rose up. And I don't know. Those are tough things as a former coach. Those are tough things to manage uh, when you have an injured player, especially a star player, to work them back in. But I do think Io's got the character and he's so unselfish. I think it'll work pretty darn well. Does that mean they'll go in and play great at the Big Ten tournament? I, I don't know. I mean, every game's going to be against the top ten team, but obviously for the long term, if they want to make a Final Four run, they got to have Io back. And, and if anybody can figure out how to, how to come back in and make everybody better, it's him. Yeah, the trick now is to bring him back and get the same kind of play out of him while getting the same kind of play out of all the guys that, that rose to that level against Michigan and can you do that? You know, they kind of defer. There have been times when they de- basically deferred to Io and Kofi. I mean, there's no. Oh, no doubt. Oh, no. It's it's a it's a tricky situation. There's no doubt because because of the goals that they have. I mean, because of where they want to go. So, hey, that's why Coach Underwood makes the big bucks, right, Lauren? These Absolutely. Are the, these are the buttons that those guys are going to try to push. But at least, you know, Io is, uh, is such a high IQ guy and uh, doesn't mind passing the ball. But, yeah, I mean, there was there was something uh, special that happened there, and, and guys rose up and made plays. And Can they keep that going? I, I think they can. Hey, Jess, always good to talk basketball with you. We appreciate your time. Thanks. All right, you guys are the best. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, Jess. Jess Settles from uh, Big Ten Network with us here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk as we move towards – 1020 and the folks at the uh, the Pella window and door store would like to help you find the perfect replacement window or new window for your uh, house or any doors in your house too. So check out the showroom 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. That's where you can see the products in person. Discover the beauty of wood windows, the ease of those between the glass blinds or the durability of fiberglass entry doors. The Pella experts know all about what type of window or door works best in each unique situation. Working with the folks from the the Pella Window Store is an easy process. They'll be there to help you along the way from the shopping part of the uh, process to the installation as well. Learn more about the styles, materials, and options available to you. The Pella team has all the knowledge and experience to help you find the perfect Pella product for your project. 356-6474 is the number. They're business hours. Regular business hours are Monday through Friday from 8 to 5. And you can check out their products online as well at PellaofChampagne.com. The Pella Window Store, Illini Pella. We're back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Stay with us. 1023 Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Phone line is open. 217-356-9397 if you'd like to join us to talk some Illinois basketball or anything else that might be on your mind on this Saturday morning. Let's go to Monticello. And Chris, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, Chris. Well, I lost Chris somehow there. So, again, if you want to try back in, Chris, uh, feel free to do so. 356-9397. We'd love to talk to you. 
Illinois basketball this afternoon, 3 o'clock, against the Ohio State Buckeyes, who Lauren have lost three games in a row. That's exactly right. Three games in a row, and at a time when they were a number one seed uh, headed for that, at least. And I don't know uh, what exactly what's happened. Uh, I'm not, I can't explain it. Well, they ran into Michigan State. Uh, they, they got them one time. and uh, Well, Iowa's playing awful good yeah, right now, too. I'll tell you what, as you mentioned earlier, when Iowa's making shots, <laughs> they're nasty. They're, I don't want to see them again. And yet... Yeah, I, w- I think Iowa's uh, got a better offense than Illinois. If things play out the way we think, think they're going to play out. they play better out. defense, but I think they, their offense is scary. You, you would probably see Iowa in the semifinals of the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. Well, Let's uh, let's try Jerry in Decatur. Are you with us, Jerry? I sure am. Go ahead. I was wondering. I was wondering if there was any disciplinary action taken against the player that uh, put Iowa out, other than the. No, but he had, he didn't play in the last game, as far as I can see. Am I right, Steve? I mean, no, he, was, he wasn't in the box score. I think he was in the last game. The one before that, he didn't play. Okay. okay. And he didn't. When he does play, he doesn't play more than a couple of minutes. Yeah. But no, as far as we know, there was no disciplinary action taken. That's a kind of disparity of uh, teams, isn't it? Seems like Michigan State gets by with a lot of stuff that no one else does. Are you based on that statement, just on that one incident? No, I'm just the way they play. Yeah, they do uh, play. They play rough, and they they don't hide that. Yeah, they play rough, and they they. Uh, play hard, but uh, <clears throat> some people don't have a discipline between dirty and rough. Okay. What else you got? unfortunate. <laughs> That's it. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, Jerry, thanks for the call. Let's uh, see if we can get Chris back on from Monticello. Hey, Chris, <laughs> you, are you with us? Uh, yeah. Hey, boys, good morning. Yeah, thanks. Uh, sorry, I don't know how the call got dropped, but um, yeah, I had a question about, about Trent. And, and his future, I know you guys were alluding to it, but, uh, you know, I don't know if he has any, any, you know, coaching aspirations or anything beyond, beyond, uh, going on to play, uh, professionally somewhere else. But, um, I would, I would be amazed if he would come back as a grad assistant to help these young guards. Well, um, I think it's his intention to play basketball professionally and make some money. I, 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 that's what I think is going to happen now. I can be wrong. Obviously, um, we've seen people decide to do one thing and then wind up doing another. By the way, there's some things happening in recruiting right now, particularly with a young man, Washington, from Creighton, who is committed to a school where the coaches just got disciplined and and suspended for the tournament. McDermott's not going to be with Creighton when they play their next game. And uh, the only, only reason I bring it up is that things change. And no matter what we say today, one day Hanson's going pro, and the next day he's going to play football for Illinois. So, I, you know, I, I don't. Nothing's final, but as it stands right now, I, I think that's what Fraser wants to do. Well, there, and there's time to do both. Uh, look at Deion Thomas; he played a long time overseas, got came yep. back, got into yep. coaching. Chester yeah, Fraser did the same point. thing. Yeah, uh, a lot of those guys do that. So he's a young guy; he could go make some money for half a dozen years, or maybe more. Corey Bradford played for almost twenty years. Overseas, yeah. Now maybe uh, Trent doesn't want to do that before moving on to what's next. But uh, yeah, I think there's a time for him to check out both things if if that's his interest. But even just to come back and, and work with these young guards, I mean, he's come on with a really tremendous leadership role the last year. You know, even last year some. And uh, um, 
I, I, I'd just love to see that that be able to continue in that next capacity. So. All right, Chris, thanks. Yeah. Appreciate thanks. the call. Let's go to uh, Mike in Champaign. Hey, Mike, you're up next on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Go ahead. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Hey, I have a question for you uh, for your consideration with regard to Big Ten championship. Uh, you know, the Big Ten's, to my understanding, has already declared Michigan as the champion due to, for percentage reasons, um, you know, percentage win. If you, if Illinois wins today and Michigan State beats Michigan, uh, then we will finish one half game ahead of them in the standings, which is also used typically to determine a champion. So in my view, Michigan wins based on percentage. We win based on standings. So you go to tiebreaker, which is always head-to-head competition. I'd like someone to explain to me why the Big Ten has already declared Michigan predictably has already declared Michigan champion when Illinois may possibly finish ahead of them. In the because standing. before this even got Michigan this far along, they games. announced it would be based on percentage. That's why. I mean, they, they, they told us what the rules are, and that, that's the rules. Yeah, before, before Michigan had the games canceled, they said when there were, were cancellations, and it was obvious there were going to be cancellations, that – the Big Ten winner would be based on percentage. They didn't do that just for Michigan, even though that's what the Illini fans like to like to think, but they didn't. And that's just what they did. And to get somebody to explain it, it would be have to be somebody from the Big Ten and we're not that. Yeah, I understand that. I, I, I didn't know about that earlier uh, percentage uh, declaration, whatever. It just seems to me a little uh not According to the way things are normally determined. But well, this anyway, is not a normal I year. I don't have a voice in it. Yep. Hey, thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Made a good point. But uh, another example of this not being a normal uh, last eight or 10, 12 months. They did the same thing in football, didn't they? Yeah. Percentage? Let's, yep. Let's go to Rick in Charleston. Hey, Rick, you're on the air. Go ahead. Good morning, guys. Hey, great season. Nice show. Um, I know the rotation's set, but kind of looking ahead, uh, Benjamin Burdunk, he came back in finally about the middle of December, I believe, and started practicing with the team. Uh, do you know if he's completely healthy, and what do you hear? I mean, the coaches, it sound like we're a little bit up in the air in terms of what his production might be. Uh, and would he be a redshirt freshman next year, or how would he be classified? He's got four years of eligibility remaining after this year. So, yes. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> okay. I mean, that's so kind of ridiculous. He's I been mean, here two years. But... Yeah, there's really the red shirt uh, thing's kind of out the window because everybody he, could come he back. He could break Settle's record. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so is he, I mean, what are they saying about him in practice? Well, we don't have any information on him at all I, other than he'll be, a, he, if, he, if he remains here, uh, he will uh, compete for a position on the team next year. Uh, this year is pretty much gone. I think when you ask right. a question, it's a good question, but I think when you ask that, how's he looking in practice, or anybody, not just him, you hit look at what's going on in the games. You know, if he was back in the rotation, you'd see him play. And I well, say him, I, I mean anybody. I just assume he's 
behind on defense, definitely, right. you know, and, and, uh, now being able to break in, I just, uh, there was, you know, curious touch base right quick on travel. I never hear anything about it. Do they fly every place and, and that they go virtually except for maybe like Indy or something, uh, the basketball team and how does the football team, does, do they, with all those people and the equipment, uh, are they bussing some, flying some, or always flying? Well, all the equipment they goes appreciate on. Appreciate the show. Yep, thanks, uh, Rick, for uh, that call. We appreciate it. the equipment goes on a on an equipment truck, and the team flies. In most cases, they will bus occasionally to uh, obviously to Purdue when they play there or Indiana. As far as the basketball team, they fly everywhere, right? Fly everywhere except uh, the usual suspects of Northwestern yep. and Purdue. Uh, Purdue and Indiana, St. Louis, they would drive those. That's Ed Bond, who has been uh, all excited today, uh, like a little cheerleader, jumping around uh, the studio because he gets to go back out to a we basketball We get to go arena. on the road, yeah. <laughs> get to go on the road. That's going to be – and I'm amazed at how many schools are not sending – Imagine, 10 schools not sending radio. Not right? sending radio to the Big yeah. Ten tournament. So the Big Ten tournament, the radio is going to be Illinois, Indiana, Purdue – and Michigan State. Yep. And Michigan State has traveled the entire season. In Illinois, we haven't. The only game we did was uh, at Indianapolis earlier. We did Baylor, and we did one football and game. And we did one football game at Madison, and yep. we got home at four thirty in the morning on Saturday. <laughs> we decided not to do any more football <laughs> games. Let's uh, squeeze in another caller here before the break. Eric's been hanging on in Champaign. Go ahead, Eric. Um, hey, guys, I was just wondering if you saw what happened with the uh, Missouri Valley Tournament with Drake in Northern Iowa yesterday. Yeah, I did yeah. see that. That can happen, boy. Northern Iowa how, couldn't play. How fast that can happen, and it could happen anywhere and probably will in other places. That's They're just right. gone. 20, no you know, somewhere between 15 and 20% of the games all season have been called off because of the virus. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's just, it just doesn't make sense that you could have all these games played and not have it happen again. It seems too that at this point they're being a little a little crazy about this. I mean, it's not the bubonic plague, especially for twenty year olds. You know what I mean? They're they're fine. They they can play. And uh, at, I don't know at this point. I mean, I'm vaccinated. You guys are probably vaccinated too. So probably should just uh, get it all get it all taken care of, especially before next year. You know, the, yeah. the, we don't need to be dealing with this again. Next they fall. tell me even though I'm vaccinated, I can still get it and give it to somebody else. They told yeah, me when I got vac- yeah. vaccinated that uh, since I've been working with Lauren Tate for 30 years, I should have been vaccinated a long time ago. <laughs> the other little bit of good news I saw was the Cardinals are, are going to allow, I think, 30% of fans in starting yeah. opening day. Which, 32%, yeah. How they I'll came up with there. that number, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there. I don't know about Wrigley and, and, uh, and the White Sox yet, but I know I'll, I'll definitely go to St. Louis for some live action for a change. Hey, Eric, appreciate the call. Thank you. 10.35, need to take a break. We'll be back in two minutes here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Stay with us. Moving up on 10.37, this is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. Steve Kelly with you until 11 o'clock. We do have the phone lines open. We're going to talk golf for a couple of minutes. Illini golf coach Mike Small is on the line with us. Good morning, Smalley. How are you? I'm good, Steve. Good morning, Lauren. You guys sound great as always. Well, thank you. We're having fun uh, this morning. I want to talk some spring golf with you. Uh, all of a sudden, your uh, team is up to number four in the coaches poll this week after that impressive win. Actually, two impressive sp- spring tournament wins. Talk a little bit about that and how you guys played last weekend down at LSU. 
Oh, it was a great week. I followed up a really good week in Mobile before that, and then to go down and uh, really with no expectations this time of year. You know, courses are just opening up today here in town. So we went down to LSU and played a, a pretty strong schedule, 12 SEC teams and two other uh, Southern teams on a hard, tough golf course with tough conditions. And um, like I said, no expectations went down, and the guys – Guys were ready to play. They were excited to play. They were very ready to go down and uh, and get after it. And you know, when you go down and experience a close finish, and you learn how to handle some pressure late in the tournament in February, because usually we're not in having much. We're not as competitive as we want to be in February. Uh, we're still knocking off the rust. But to go down there and have all that happen, and then really display some team depth, which we need to have in our team to really be successful, just to show that um, it was a win-win all the way around. And then to get that win against those teams. Uh, got a lot of people's attention around the country, all the coaches, and that's why we jumped all the way up to number four. Now, that that ranking is a ranking. It's early, and, and it's, it's um, like I said, just a ranking, and it's going to fluctuate. But to uh, to get that respect early is something that uh, northern programs aren't too accustomed to. So winning 10 of the last 11 Big Ten titles, that's, that's getting to be ho-hums. You go down and win the SEC. <laughs> <laughs> That's the joke. That's what the joke was down there. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was fun. It was fun to leave that event. I got so much respect for those programs down there, the coaches and the players, to go down there. Like I said, in their backyard on their grass this time of year with no expectations, and then just to to leave on uh, on Sunday night and get that trophy and have everybody kind of be. They were very quiet. They were very quiet and subdued leaving there to have a team come out of the Big Ten and uh, and play like we did and handle the pressure. Like I said, handle the conditions. Um, it was it, it was fun for our guys. They got a big kick out of having all that silence when we left. When you look at the uh, top 25 with Illinois fourth, you look at the rest of the list, Illinois is the only northern golf team in that top 25 ranking. That's not necessarily unique. You've been there before, but it, it certainly says a lot about your program, in my opinion. Well, thanks, Steve. But again, it's it's early. We we're holding. We still have our guard up. A lot can happen the rest of the year. But um, the last 12, 13 years, that's kind of been our. We've been generally us and maybe one other program or more. Um, kind of comes from the north, if you will, the Midwest. The Big Ten has a lot of teams in the in the 25 to 50 range, 25 to 55 range, which is a sneaky range for teams coming down to the end of the year, and those guys can play. But yeah, the 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 top 25, especially this time of year, is not represented by the. Northern programs much, much especially after we didn't play last fall. Because usually we make our hay in the fall and we get some wins and losses and accrue some good, like I said, some good wins against some good teams when we're kind of fresh. But uh, usually in the, at, at this time of year, we take our beating and take our lumps, but we learn from it and we come out stronger and with a lot of momentum, a lot of excitement to play in, in, in April and May. Coach, we talked to you a month ago. I don't think you were even sure what your starting lineup is, and I I believe you took more than more than just the um, minimum number uh, south, didn't you? Uh, have, have you settled? Do you think now on what you, on your lineup? Well, Lauren, that's a good question. In golf, you know, it fluctuates so much. You know, uh, uh, confidence, um, fundamentals. I mean, it's, it's just a fleeting sport. It comes and goes. That's why depth is so important in, in golf because you could have a player playing really well for a couple weeks, three weeks, and all of a sudden his putter goes south on him. His confidence goes; it affects the rest of his game, and then you, then then what do you do? So you gotta you gotta have some depth. So we yeah we took six down. Um, we've taken eight down. We took eight down to Mobile before that. Got a couple of good young freshmen that are gonna need to see some reps this spring. But like I you know we got some seniors that are playing pretty good. So yep. you try to mix them back and forth. But in in, in golf, you um, depth is a key. And I don't know if your lineup is ever really set. Maybe until 
uh, middle of April. I like to have it set by the middle of April once we have a bunch of rounds under our belts and have a body of work to show. Then you kind of can, you know, kind of rely on what you when a coach knows what he's getting, and then you go to the championship part of your season where you're playing the conference and then regional and nationals, and then you kind of go with your guys and and live and die with the five guys you're looking at. But right now we're still still trying to figure things out. I got some young guys that need some reps, but um, like I said though, these these uh, a couple of these seniors are playing well too. Uh, what do you have coming up? Uh, we leave this weekend, uh, this coming weekend, week from today, for uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, we added that event kind of late into the schedule this year, and then we go str- directly from Lafayette to Tucson for the National Invitational Tournament, which is a big, a big national event in Tucson that uh, we're going to kind of kind of tie in a, a look at the at Greyhawk, which hosts the national championship in uh, late May and June, out in Scottsdale. So we're going to see a lot of the Pac-12 schools and Big 12 schools, but mostly the West Coast schools out in Tucson, and then. Then we come back after that and head to Augusta State um, and see a lot of the uh, the ACC schools. So our schedule this year is pretty it's pretty good, Lauren. We got a chance to see, like we saw all the SEC, we'll see most of the Pac-12 and the ACC at certain times, but we'll also sprinkle in some other events where we're seeing some tough mid-major schools and also playing at some events where we should go down and be the favorite and see how we hold up because I think it's important as a coach to obviously test yourself against the best competition in the country, but it's also good to go some places where you may be expected to win, and there's some self-imposed pressure, and there's some different expectations that you have to learn to handle if you're going to be good at this game. Talking uh, Illinois golf with Mike Small, a couple of more minutes here. Talk about the challenges of this situation with COVID over the uh, last few months. And now that you're playing it, and yes, everybody knows golf is played outside, but that's the only part of the time that you're around the guys. Uh, what what uh, hurdles have you had to jump to be able to get back out there and play? Well, you're right. Golf is easier. It's just, it, you can social distance easier easier when you're competing, but it's still you can still contract the virus and spread it amongst your team by not being not playing golf. And uh, I think our department, and Josh has done a great job setting the standard, and then all the coaches and the the medical staff, Randy Ballard and these guys have done a phenomenal job of setting the stage of how these how, how these teams can be competitive. Um, get all this testing that we do, but stay stay safe and stay healthy. And um, I'm more proud of my team for doing that so far. They they really took the took the lead. I think basketball and Brad did a great job setting that standard as well in the in, in the department and how they've avoided um, the pitfalls that come with such a contagious virus. That uh, our guys have kind of gravitated towards that, and our guys are in their own little bubble um, since they got back to school six weeks ago. They're not out doing anything. They eat all their meals in their apartment. Uh, we eat all the meals in the hotel on the road. Um, that's the first and foremost priority right now, and then actually golf comes second. But once you're at the once you're at the golf course, um, it's pretty easy. It's kind of status quo how we go about doing things. But away from the golf course, it takes a lot of thought. It takes a lot of a lot of uh, patience and a lot of just discipline to keep yourself on um, the straight and narrow, so you're not putting yourself in positions or situations where you could have possibly contracted. So uh, it's just a lot more thought, Steve. Away from the golf course, a lot more, you know stagnation and boredom for these college kids away from the golf course. But once you're at practice and once you're around your boys playing and competing, and um, it's, 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 it's the same as always for golf. Coach, uh, what's the status of Stone Creek at this point? Where are your players practicing? Uh, well, obviously we're practicing here on, here on campus because this thing uh, at Demersion is open all year round for us and we can control that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think today they're out playing on their own. We're kind of getting the weekend off because we're going to be playing like, five of the next six weekends on the road. So kind of let them 
give them a, give them a little break from me. I think was a big thing they were excited about. But they're <laughs> out playing. Uh, they're out. They're out playing some country clubs in town and and just going about their business. Um, Stone Creek or Atkins Golf Club will not is not open now, and I think it's just it's on the progress. It's on the track to to be open here sometime. But again, um, that's out of our control. A lot of the things happen. Like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, things happen slowly in in, in the university setting. So uh, Jackie's doing a wonderful job uh, getting that prepped and all the changes are going to come this summer. A lot of work is going to be done at that golf facility this summer, internally in the facility, in the buildings, but uh, more importantly on the golf course. So um, that is out of commission for us right now, but we got three great country clubs in town and the orange, the orange and blue are still our old, our old stomping grounds. And that's kind of where we go out and, and get some good meat and potatoes golf when we need it. And, um, but we spend a lot of our time at our facility uh, working on shots and, you know, kind of creating different situations out there and working on fundamentals. By the way, a belated happy birthday to you, birthday on Thursday. <laughs> Thanks. I've had a lot of them, Steve. I'm, it's not a big deal anymore to me, but thank you. Well, I'm not going to give the number. I won't do that to you. But uh, what about uh, what about uh, your playing situation this calendar year? I hit balls. I hit 25 balls this morning for the first time, I think, since December. So um, I've taken some time off. Haven't had a lot of motivation, to be honest with you. I, uh, my mind has been wrapped up, obviously, into this team this time of year. I don't play much ever this time of year. Right. Um, but I've had some shoulder issues I'm working through and, and uh, rehabbing and getting some procedures done. So I'm just kind of eking back into it. And when the time presents itself that I can get away and it's not going to affect the team, I'll go compete like I always do and, and continue that because that's important to me. It's, it's important to my job. I mean, how I, how I perform my job, I think it's, it's valuable that I can stay involved in the game itself. And um, I'll do that. It's who I am. I'm not going to stop doing that, but I'm not going to do it as much as I have probably in the past. You know, we all, the, old, the older we get, the more, the more uh, harder it gets and the trouble we have to go through in order to play at a certain level. So, um, but I just enjoyed hitting a few balls this morning outside for the first time all spring. And, um, you know, I'll pick that up generally every day, Stevie. And, I'll be ready when we go out and teed up sometime this summer. I'll be ready for you. <laughs> I'm sure you I'm will. I'm betting on you. <laughs> I'm sure you will. Thanks a lot, Mike. We appreciate it. Always good to talk with you. All right, guys. Thanks. Take you care. Illinois golf coach Mike Small in his 20th year as Illinois golf coach. 20th need to, year. Wow. Need to take a break. Then we've got an open line the rest of the way. Back in a couple of minutes here on Illinois Fellas Saturday Sports Talk on DWS. Ten fifty. We got about ten minutes left here on Illinois Pellis Saturday Sports Talk. Illinois baseball is playing as we speak against Ohio State down in uh, South Carolina. The Illinois lead five to three in the fourth inning of that ball game. They trailed three to nothing after one. Good rally in the ball game. Got a couple uh, callers on hold. Let's uh, go with Bob calling in. Hey Bob, go ahead. Good morning, guys. I have a question about Trent Fraser. Everyone was talking about. Uh, it's long was speculating that he's. Uh, uh, probably going to want to <clears throat> leave and earn some money, but no one's really talking about him going to the NBA. So I guess it would be playing overseas. But at the moment, I'm not sure uh, how much basketball they're playing overseas, or what their plans are for the fall. And I'm curious how that would affect Trent's thinking. Well, I think it would affect Trent's thinking, and I think that when the coaches sit down with him, they'll probably do everything possible to try to get him to return it's just that his he has to be willing to attend classes if he's going to do that and he's indicated that he'd rather do 
he'd rather play basketball. Now, whether he can or not is a really good question because he's probably not going to stick with an NBA team. I mean, everything's in, in flux, and, and we're not going to settle it right now today. I can tell you that for sure. Do you know about the overseas basketball, Lauren? Are they playing, or did they well, have I, plans? I thought they would be playing this year, but I don't know. I, I mean, I, yes, we, we've had players playing this year overseas. Certainly something for any guy thinking about that to consider and how much is being played over there. And and if you uh, decide not to come back, you get an agent and the agent finds a place for you to play. Yeah, well, we we know that there have been players playing this season. But if to be more specific than that, I can't. I don't know where they have been and where they haven't. I, I could figure that out, I guess, if, if I spent some time on it. But I haven't I haven't really analyzed it. Anything else, Bob? Guess not. Let's go to Mike in Champaign. Hello, Mike. Yes, uh, just a matter of information. There's a long story on ESPN today about the Arizona basketball program and Mm -hmm. basically how corrupt it was Mm -hmm. and has been. And, And when the NCAA filed their report last fall, Arizona kept that from being released until they finally lost in court that they had to release it. And it just, from the top down, from the administration down, they've done everything they can to try to protect all the corruption that was going on in that program and has now come out. The NCAA ought to just hammer everybody. It's just unbelievable. But we'll see what they do. But I wanted to pass that on. It's a good read. It's a patient read through it, but it's a good read. Okay, yeah. Mike, thanks. I read that this morning myself. And uh, the uh, the Miller fellows <laughs> in uh, college coaching are having some tough times. I'm not kidding. The Arch- brothers. Yeah, Archie at uh, Indiana as well. A lot of folks not real happy with him. Another situation where you don't know what's going to happen, but you feel the, the, the weight of the hammer coming down at some point is out at uh, Lawrence, Kansas, with uh, the basketball investigation and now the Les Miles uh material that is uh, surfacing from his time at LSU of... Uh, right, which is entirely different. That was Yes, I understand that. But it doesn't look good for him coaching another game there, is yeah, what I'm saying. And the uh, Arizona thing, you got four level one uh, allegations and one that specifically points to Sean Miller, the coach, and they've been cheating for years successfully. Now they got caught. Now they have to pay. Yeah, a lot to be played out yet, and we'll see how it goes. By the way, is Oklahoma State in or out of the NCAA tournament? They're out of the tournament, (laughs) but they've appealed it, and they're in the tournament until (laughs) if they they don't reach their, if they don't give them an answer on their appeal in time, which they're not, it's obvious they're going to be in the tournament. They're in until they're out, or they're out until they're in. (laughs) Declared out, and now they're. They appealed it, and, and uh, they'll be out next year. But, of course, Cade Cunningham will be long gone, and their team won't be near as good. And this is the year they want to get in, and they're going to get in. They want to get in so everybody can see him. He's quite the player. Another good player is E.J. Liddell, who had a good game against uh, Illinois in that uh, Ohio State win over here back early in the season. Here's Brad Underwood on him. He's a good player. He's a really talented kid. You know, he's going to score, you know, 16 to 20 because of his talent. And uh, – you know, we just can't give him the easy baskets. Um, you know, he made four threes in the first game uh, against us. And, and uh, you know, we got to do a better job of, of contesting that. 
But um, again, you know, they, they do a good job of, of putting him in actions where he has the ability to pop and uh, uh, you can't give him the easy stuff on offensive rebounds and, and, uh, and those. We've got to make those really hard for him. E.J. Lavelle with 26 points in that first win and uh, in the game last year had another game over 20 points against his home state uh, fighting Illini. That game this afternoon at uh, 3 o'clock and you can uh, hear basketball in its entirety, pregame and the basketball game on Light Rock 97.5 WHMS. That pregame show starts at 1 o'clock and then we've got baseball sprinkled in. We're going to be hearing uh, some of the baseball a double header down in uh, South Carolina against Ohio State here on DWS. Women's volleyball a little bit later on, so there's a lot going on here on uh, the radio and in the sports world. 10.56, we'll take one final break on Alani Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We'll be back with more after this. Ten we we've got a couple of minutes left here on uh, the program. Busy day on the show. Brett Bielma joined us. Off the top, if you missed any of that, the podcast will be up here uh, shortly at WDWS.com. Brett Bielma was with us, Sean Harrington also, and we had uh, Jess Settles from Big Ten Network and Illini golf coach Mike Small. Busy day. I'm glad that uh, we have these busy days after <laughs> this time last year we were wondering what we were going to do to keep shows going. Well, you know, uh, back to the Bielma thing, just those few minutes with him and and you, you get a feel for, you know, that he's going to shake things up a little bit. There's going to be some, there's going to be some real hard uh, competition this spring, Steve. But they've, they've got to learn about the players. Right. They've got to find out what they got. They, if they've got players that are going to be out there based on their reputation, you know, that's not going to work. Yep. I, and uh, and I, I, I made the other point that since you're playing Oklahoma, uh, since you're playing Nebraska in the, in the first game, that he's going to keep everything as secret as possible right up to that day. That's going to take care of the show. We appreciate you listening. WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Thanks to our producer, Dave Leak. Thanks to Ed Bond for his oversight and overseeing of the uh, show here this morning. This is Steve Kelly for everybody involved. Thanks for listening.